Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ruminations of Red Room. I'm your host, Kyle, with a K. I feel so icky. Today, we have joining me the stretchy boy, the fantastic Mr. Fantastic, just back from the San Francisco Bay, fighting off a plethora of villains, including Dr. Doom, Brendan Jesus Ortiz. And I forgot the last name. That's fine. We don't have to do it. Okay. It felt, it felt forced. Um, okay. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? How's your Sunday treating you? It is good. Went out to brunch. Got a hangover burger with habanero bacon jam on it. Uh, really good. On the walk home, uh, found a taxidermy shop, which was really cool, called uh, Unhappy Rabbit. Uh, they have some really dope stuff in there. So excited to go back. And I also stumbled upon this little flea market where all the money goes to a, to scholarships for, uh, uh, girls from low income families to go to college. So we are 12 seconds into Brendan's story and we already have a question. Ian, go. I actually, not a question, but, uh, on (laughs) your taxidermy thing, I actually went to, uh, the museum here and uh, for the first time, and it's just a giant museum filled with taxidermy animals, animals of all kind. And um, we were the only people there <laughs> in this entire museum. I unlocked a new fear. <laughs> Wait, of you being taxidermied? No, of like just just taxidermy following and the size of the animals and i've never been afraid of uh, like taxidermy before in my life but like in that setting it was insane and then there's uh in like the end there's a gigantic room with probably like i don't know like a noah's ark amount of freaking dead animals and it's like it's like kind of like a old burly smoker's lounge man cave (laughs) But with a bunch of like an audience of dead carcasses and they have this like ominous music playing and it's probably <laughs> the scariest thing i've ever been if taxidermy was an acceptable thing to do for humans after you die would you want that yeah. like would you want to be taxidized i don't know what you call it, I don't know what you call it. i just made that word up would you want to be taxidized and then yeah. uh put in like a family's home or something and like pose in a cool way I I would want in my will, um, I would say that uh, my family would have to go find a random phone book and pick out a random person in that phone book and whoever they land on uh, my my taxidermied corpse by law, because it's in my will, would have to be in that family's house. (laughs) By law. (laughs) They're like, oh, don't worry about him. He's just... He's legally he has to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that weird old man stuffed in your corner in the kitchen over there? We got him in the mail. Legally, he's got to stay there. Um, It's a whole thing, you know. We'll be fine. Uh, But that brings up a good point because you could be a Halloween prop. You could just like based on how you die. You know, you could like in your will, you could put how you want to be used as, you know, you were taxidized. Also, that voice joining us is the spooky boy, the ghost of Tsushima, the haunting uh, in Connecticut, the the Amityville horror, the Amityville horror, the uh, 
Boo. How's your Sunday? Spooky. Um, it's it's good. It's going good. I just got my my sweatpants on, a t-shirt. Mm. It's it's a little cold here, not gonna lie. What's the temperature it's like there? Sick. Probably like 79. I don't know. It's 78 degrees right now. Oh yeah. It is. But I am I am chilly, not gonna lie. It's 40 degrees here. It feels lovely. Oh my god. That sounds amazing. That sounds lovely. You're all bundled up. I am. I got my You're sweater. Brendan, hit us with your recs this week, if you have any, or just something that you'd like to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, uh, my wonderful mother got me a book, because I'm getting into 70s, uh, 1970s, 80s, 90s. Uh, I don't want to call them conspiracy books, because they're not, but uh, a lot of them are on, like, The Unexplained, uh, I guess. Um, I got, like, Art Bell's The Quickening. I got Project Blue Book by Brad Steiger. Um, but the book I'm reading now which I am absolutely in love with. And Ian, I don't know if you saw any of my tweets about it, um, but it's called uh, Worlds Before Our Own by Brad Steiger. I thought it was about near-death experiences. Um, I was very incorrect. It's basically about uh, how human history as we know it is very incorrect. Uh, obviously, you know, we think that cavemen were uh, the first human types that we have evolved from to live which was about a million to 2.5 million years ago but there are fossils literal fossils that are in line um with uh uh dinosaur fossils on the same levels of limestone uh with the same aging to them they've been carbon dated to the same years of human footprints Five so it's toes. like the 90s books Animorphs, and we actually came from dinosaurs and we morphed into humans. Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, but it's it's real because these fossils actually exist. But the crazy thing is these feet aren't our size. They're, it, it, it's basically saying that before cavemen, there was a cataclysmic event. Well, obviously, we know the asteroids wiped out the dinosaurs, but apparently also at the same time, there were giant humanoids that, Ian, get this, literally had to fight off kaiju-sized lizards every day to survive. There are fossils. So we were like a like a 80s, 90s anime. Like life was like an 80s, 90s anime. We were giant humans, like titans from Attack of the Titan, yeah. just squaring off with these oh, giant titan-sized yeah. dinosaurs. Yeah. Dude, why, why can't that still be the case? And I, I want to know that is historically accurate. If anything, we've devolved as a species <laughs> yes, exactly. from what it sounds like. <laughs> well, and the thing is, it that whole idea, I guess I can understand, scares scientists because in evolution, it's shown that we've progressively gotten bigger from the apes we've evolved from. But if this idea of... Dude, I look like a conspiracy theorist right now with this hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. With, I don't want to say anything, but... With this evidence, it proves that we've gotten smaller and then bigger again. So are we going back to this giant humanoid-sized humans? Dude. I mean, I hope so. Dude. How, how big are we talking? Because, you know, size is relative, you know? Yeah, so uh, they, there, was, there was only so much that they could posit based on the foot size, but uh, I guess going with the dimensions that they had, they kind of averaged out the foot, the foot sizes they were finding, and they're saying um, uh, in that time to be considered small, you'd be about seven and a half to eight feet. 
So I guess small is small for them is like our four, four foot two. Wow. Yeah. Wild shit. I Ian, I thought you were good. you'd appreciate that. So I really wanted to talk about that. So we're like midget people. Well, little people, people. little people to be <laughs> politically correct. But. We're munchkins. Um. So that's what I got. Enjoy that. Yeah, I'm, well. t- I'm, I'm trying to process it and take it in for a second. <laughs> Ian, do you have any Rex or anything you'd just like to talk about before well, we dive in? I watched a complete banger, complete surprising banger, uh, a film by my favorite director, Shinya Sukamoto. It's called uh, Nightmare Detective from 2006. Um, it's like... It it feels like a really well done live action anime, if that if that makes sense. It's and it's like super edgy and detect. It's kind of like Death Note, um, but there was no adaptation. It was it's this is its own original movie. It's fantastic. I love it. Kyle, Kyle, what about you? <laughs> um, I platinumed Alan Wake two. Um, I. I want to say it's my game of the year, but at the same time, there was a gameplay mechanic in there that's so annoying to me that I just, I can't look past it. And I don't hear anybody talking about it either, which drives me nuts. They keep brushing over the fact that it's probably one of the most annoying pace-stopping things in a game ever. But aside from that, the game is like damn near perfect. Like, Well, you can't say that and not talk about the game mechanic. What do you mean? Oh, um, well, I don't want to give too much away, but there's there's something called um, the mind place. Uh, okay. it, it's not really a spoiled a spoiler to say that you play as two different characters. So there's Alan Wake. You play as Alan Wake, and, and then you play as a detective named Saga Anderson, yeah. and she has this um, ability to go into her mind called the mind place. And it's where she has like this huge board, like a detective would have, you know, with the pins and the lines going to, the, like, mm-hmm. you know, like the cloth, like, wire, like the uh, the uh, the Charlie strings. Pepe Sylvia board. Yeah, exactly. And you have to piece together clues to advance the story mm-hmm. or to advance objectives. So um, you you're constantly having to go into this screen, this mind place screen, in order to advance the story, and sometimes. It's just, it's really tedious and obtuse and kind of just annoying. And um, you could be in the middle of like a very like intense moment Mm -hmm. and you could be in the exact location you're supposed to be to advance the story. But if you don't put a certain clue board or a clue thing on the board, it won't tell you the next objective and it won't advance it. And it's just very like you're constantly going into the menu to advance the like the plot. And I just... I fucking hated it so much. Sorry. Uh, uh, can but, can I can I ask? Is it? Uh, I had to let that out. It's the first time I'm talking about it. Sorry. Um, the the first one's very linear. Yes. Uh, but it's it's kind of forgiving in the way that you can backtrack to a certain extent within within a, within the level. Um, is out that makes it sound like Alan Wake Two is more open world. 
Yeah, so they go for like the Resident Evil Four approach, where it's oh, like okay. little so it's one space. centers, and okay. then yeah, and you kind of like travel back and forth, and you get certain things to unlock certain areas that, and then you come across certain places you can't go to right away, but you'll come gotcha. back to because you get a certain item, and you're kind of okay. just going in and out. And uh, the game is fucking awesome. The, the musical number you sent me was. Oh. Dude, it's so good. The story is so, so good. And you can tell that they take such an inspiration from Twin Peaks, but not just Twin Peaks, but The Return specifically Okay. for a lot of different reasons. I don't want to give away too much, but one thing I will say before we get into Wake and Fright uh, is that they they kind of they play with your... They tickle your... Uh, uh, the, the, uh, how, how can I say your this without, brain balls? How can I say this without spoiling it? So it, in the return, you're kind of, uh, I think there's a lot of frustration that you may feel as um, a viewer because you want a specific character to just come back and you want a specific <laughs> character to just to, to, be, to be what they were before. And they do a lot of that in Alan Wake 2. You, you kind of go a lot of the game like waiting for this character to have their redemption moment and waiting for this character to like fucking, you know? And then it happens and you're like, yes! And uh, Alan Wake 2 does that really well. And you could tell that they... They, they took that formula. It feels just like The Return, the way they fucking tease you and the way they fucking edge you. It, it, it really feels like The Return. So, And then, of course, there's the musical numbers after every chapter. Uh, I can go on and on, but uh, highly recommend it, whether you're a Twin Peaks fan or not. If you're just into survival horror games, highly recommend you play the first one. Uh, it's really, really good. What I have to say to that is, I am the FBI. I am the Today, Breakpoint, we are jumping back into the Australian outback, mate, and covering our third film. It's our third, right? Second. Second film in our Australian month. Aussie month. I can't do the thing. We're covering the 1971 film, Wake in Fright, directed by... Ted Kotcheff. And before we do, we're going to get into some little bit of tidbit info about the film with our segment called Wake and Fright, initially titled Outback, is a 1971 Australian psychological horror film. It is directed, as Kyle said, by Ted Kotcheff and written by Evan Jones. While Jones has a ton of writing credits, uh, his most notable credits are his 1956 and 1962 respectively titled Books of Poetry, The Song of Banana Man, and Lament of Banana Man. Um, also, Ted Kotcheff uh, did <laughs> co-write and direct Rambo First Blood. Uh, which I think that's pretty solid. Um, Wake and Fright is uh, part of the Australian New Wave film movement and was one of the first films to spearhead Ozploitation. Uh, the exteriors of the film were shot in a mining town called Broken Hill, which is coincidentally the town that inspired Kenneth Cook to write the novel this film was based on. Um, even though it received fairly positive reviews, it was a box office failure. Um, on a budget of seven hundred to 800000 AUD, um, its inflation-adjusted gross comes at to nearly $65,000 American. 
Uh, most people associated with the film attribute the low box office numbers to uh, the distributor United Artists' failure to promote the movie. Uh, Wake and Fright nearly became a lost film when the two production companies involved in its production dissolved. Many, of the par many parts of the film uh, went missing as the result of this. Editor Anthony Buckley embarked on a 10-year quest to find and restore the film. Uh, Buckley would find the majority of missing film elements, uh, Ian, you'll like this, in 2002 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Right? Um, by 2004, Buckley had a total of 323 canisters of film, one of which even had the original camera negative. Uh, lead actor Gary Bond became renowned for his role as John Grant, but the next 24 years of his career was nothing but stage, plage, stage plays and one-arc episodes on TV. Um, unfortunately, Bond's career was cut very short in 1995 when he tragically passed away from age-related complications. Wrought with controversy and a deep cult fandom, Wake and Fright is truly a film to behold. But without further ado, let's crack a beer, catch some ruse, and take a trip down to the Yabba as we discuss Wake and Fright. Thank you, Brennan, for that beautiful uh, uh, dump of information <laughs> through Fear Facts. <laughs> Before we get into the film uh, and our first thoughts, I just want to go ahead and start by saying that we're a horror podcast, and um, whether or not you look at Shudder, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, no one categorizes this film as a horror film. So first and foremost, I want to ask you guys, why do you think Shudder took this film into their library, and would you categorize any of this film as horror? I would love to hear from Brendan first because this has been going on in my head for a while. And I was I was going to pull the Kyle card and I thought I was going to be the only one to be like, is this movie really horror? Um, but I think I the conversation to, needs to be had. Yeah, I would love to hear Brendan convince us. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to try and convince you because uh, it's very subjective and i think it's an excellent question to ask when you're talking about this film uh one of the things i i said to kyle uh you know in the earlier process of us picking or actually just a, a few days ago um i said should we actually do this movie it's not listed as a horror film but there are so 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 many top 100 horror lists from respectable uh publications and people who are generally well stood within uh horror publications um that have this film listed in their top 100 horror films uh i personally think this is a very deep psychologically horrific and troubling movie um this is probably in my top 25 movies of all time i just think it's it's uh i think it's a very respectable film it I actually don't think it ascribes to a singular genre because it's funny. It's fucking sad. It's, I think at points kind of terrifying and it's with, you know, the kangaroo scenes, it's disturbing because those are real kangaroo deaths. And uh, mm -hmm. I feel like no one really talks. I, I think a lot of people might attribute the kangaroo scene to the horror. And I think that's what would possibly make some people call this a horror movie. But 
I see this as a man's psychological downfall into a world of, I don't want to say degradation, but almost. He he goes from being a respectable school teacher to losing all of his money his first night in this town, and he has no way to get out. Um, I think that's terrifying. Yeah, this is the weird. This is, this is a weird one because it doesn't have any other than the kangaroos. It doesn't have any like horror imagery or anything that like screams horror. Um, go ahead. Did you have some? Kai? No, I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead. <laughs> um. So I don't know. I mean, I'm glad we're covering because I, I do want to talk about this movie. But, uh, so you don't think it's a horror yes. movie? So what's your stance on it? Do you think it's horror? Um, I I think this is a thriller, and I think thriller is a subgenre of horror. So, which is yeah, that was that was a, another question that I wanted to bring up. Do we consider thrillers horror? Because I I think it. And if we do, I think we should. Really <laughs> I got consider, some movies to cover. <laughs> I think we should really consider Harrison Ford's Fugitive. <laughs> Kyle, boy, what's your stance? No, I think the Fugitives of the Can we just talk about the Fugitive? No, I'm kidding. No, I think <clears throat> I think that Shutter is kind of cool for putting this in their library. I respect it. I I look at it as them kind of going against the grain and what everybody else thinks, and being like, no, I think it it has its elements of horror and therefore it should be in our library. Cause they, I mean, they choose, they, they curate what, what's in their, you know, their library. And I respect that they chose this. And I am going to say that this film should be listed under the horror genre. And I think it kind of just depends on the lens that you're looking at this film from. Right. Like, um, I think to this movie, there could probably be a lot of metaphors drawn from this, and it could also be super relatable depending on what you've done in your life and what stages of depression or anxiety or addiction that you've maybe been in. And oh my God, I think we got a movie that Kyle likes. I do like this movie. I do. Yes. Uh, I'll get so into my first impressions. I'll go yeah, first, sorry, I guess. Sorry. No, I, I no, didn't I'll just transition. Off, I just got so excited. This no. is the first in a while. We've never oh, seen oh. him in his prime. <laughs> As the wild Kyle creeps into the outback, <laughs> he sees a movie that he enjoys. Um, <laughs> I uh, No, I enjoyed the film. I thought it was great. So, I, I mean, right off the bat, they got me from the decade, right? I, I love 70s films. I, it's my favorite decade. Like, I'm obsessed with 70s films. I love the 70s. I just love the aesthetic. I love the actors, actresses. I love the music. I love the, the just everything, the props and the, and the fake cheesy hyper red blood and just everything. I love everything about the 70s and it, the, just, I love it. Anyway, that being said, I, I think this movie could be viewed from a lot of different ways, depending on, like I said before, what you've kind of experienced in your own life. I have experienced addiction in my life, and I've been a, I, I've been a subject to it, and I've kind of made it, quote unquote, not to be dramatic, but I've kind of made it out to the other side and like acknowledged like where it kind of destroyed or made worse a lot of the things that I did and when you look at a character that is um, on 
paper doing everything right he i mean it shows the pictures of his family like mm-hmm. that comes from a good background probably has a good family went to school educated teaching kids like everything's right but addiction can kind of get anybody and kind of change them and make them into the worst versions of themselves essentially and it's kind of what happens to this guy in the movie not to go too far into it now i enjoyed the movie um and it resonated with me in a way that i wasn't expecting because i didn't know that's what it was really gonna be about but uh everything down to the like the filming locations were really cool the bar scenes when they would the one shots where they would pull away as the cop would walk to the bar to give the drinks and then like slowly go back in as he would approach him with his beer like he was really good with playing with the space that he had and filming with so many people it it was chaotic but you felt like kind of excited as he was to be in a new environment and take everything in i don't know i i really liked it um I will 100% add this to my collection. And uh, yeah, uh, I watched it on Shutter. Ian, <laughs> two E's. Talk to me about it. Oh. Um, this is a fantastic made film. Um, really everything about it, the cinematography, the music i think is something mm, the theme it's that main theme so australian but yet it feels very alien at the same time it's it's really great um the acting fantastic by everyone um it feels very authentic and there's just so much to like about this film i um have been feeling like uh a freaking iPad kid lately. I've just been distracted by so many things while while watching movies or TV shows, and this had my attention the entire time. Um, fantastic film, very fantastic. Um, that's all I'll say for it right now. Brendan, Jesus Ortega, Madison. Well, you got it. Um, so Kyle, you you brought up uh, Shutter putting this on their service if i'm correct i'm like 90 percent sure that shutter uh that that the wake and fright 2017 uh remake i'm pretty sure it's a shutter original or exclusive uh one of the two i don't know um but uh yeah no this is this film is tops man uh this this film is so fucking good it's I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't do well in heat. You guys live in constant heat. Um, I don't know how you do it, because just I, I think the most troubling images for me in this aren't even, I mean, obviously the kangaroos being killed, but just seeing him wake up hungover every single morning, just covered in sweat already. <laughs> I was feeling that, man. I was like, God damn, I've been there. <laughs> Sorry, guys. no i just i can't do it and i think that's the most troubling part for me and they don't even shower they don't mm. shower no I, it, donald pleasure he, he put some water on himself oh oh right yeah he put some water on himself he dumped um, some alcohol on his on his body too oh yeah and then he washed it he washed not, the water away with alcohol. 
Not gonna lie though, I kind of want to eat whatever alligator or whatever kangaroo dish he was uh making. It just looked like yeah, it looked like a slurry of chili. In yeah, um, I really want to try that. Um, no, but the I think this film is fantastic. I think everyone needs to watch it because um, it doesn't uh stick to one specific genre. It kind of jumps all. And I'd like to read the book. I think um. I don't know if you guys would have an interest in reading the book. Yeah. And I'll d- just to see how it kind of compares yeah. to, to what we get. But yes, I, I recommend it. Uh, obviously, I think uh, every time I go back and watch this movie, um, when when he says to the uh, the sheriff, where the, the sheriff says his biggest problem in town is the suit is suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously he says, uh, that's, that's one way of getting out of town. Um, and I really, really love how that comes back to play in the end. In the last moment that he has with the sheriff is the sheriff kind of realizing the, the God awful journey that, that, uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, that, that grant went, went through, um, no, that's his real name. You know who I'm talking about, Jesus Christ. I think um, I think is John it Grant or something. John like Grant. That? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, John Grant. It, he he goes through one hell of a journey, uh, Kyle. I I don't know if you're gonna bring up any specific parts about it, so I will uh, wait to to yeah. kind of get into that. Super right. handsome dude, by the way, and I loved his accent. Very handsome man. He's very British posh compared to mm-hmm. the like typical uh, hillbilly Aussie accent that those guys had. Down in the Yaba. Oh, actually, one of the pieces of information that I couldn't work work into the fear facts was uh, so all of the beer consumed during this was non alcoholic beer. Uh, but the guy that what? played the, the guy that played the sheriff uh, refused to film with non alcoholic beer. Um, so he was on the days that he was on set, he was drinking roughly thirty pints of beer. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, and all. <laughs> I'll quote this. Okay, Yabaman. <laughs> the director recalled that Chips Rafferty, whose last which is a great this, name, this was his last film. By the way, I, I wonder, wonder why. why. <laughs> makes yeah, sense. yeah. I was gonna say he insisted on drinking real pints of beer during the bar sequences. So the director tried to substitute at first. He tried to trick him and give him non-alcoholic beers, but Rafferty <laughs> realized that the beer tasted like non-alcoholic beer. So he literally turned to the director and he said, you concentrate on the directing, I'll concentrate on the drinking. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then the director literally gave him beers the rest of the shoot and they averaged it out or the director averaged it out and he was drinking like 30 pints a day. So, and this was his last film. So <laughs> he went out the way he wanted to. He probably died you know, after this. <laughs> of fucking alcohol poisoning. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, no... This was my first time seeing, at least as far as I know, a film with Gary Bond, which is who plays um, John Grant. And to Ian's point, hell of a good looker. But also, I loved his acting. And if he was like any bigger in the 70s, I'd love to see the rest of his films. I'm going to probably look through his stuff on Letterboxd afterwards. Um, well, yeah, he, uh, was, uh, he was killer, dude. He's not in a lot of stuff. That you know, like, sucks. Yeah, like I was saying in the, the Fear Facts, the overwhelming majority of his work is one to four episode arcs on random Australian or random TV shows. 
That's that's a shame. Although what a what a tan line though. Oh yeah, dude. Gr- dude, he hates Dong too. I mean, this yeah, he goes all out. He only has four films to his name. That's insane. So not to get too like deep, but I did want to touch on something because this movie hit with me in a certain way. It's like I kind of already went over. Did you guys take anything away from this film as far as like maybe what it represents, any um, metaphorical meaning? Did you guys have any kind of did you guys learn anything from the film? Like what did this film do for you as far as just being eye candy? So what I liked most about this film is unlike cult films or like just typical like um what was uh was what's that british uh wicker man unlike that where it's uh the members of the cult are very luring just to deceive you and just to deceive the main character and then have it eventually backfire on them these yaba people are very um unmalicious they they have a very genuine um, mindset and i mean it's just like what you said kyle it's it's a movie about addiction which is um it's a very inviting thing it's a very inviting substance and uh it only takes one little snap for someone to to fall into that madness which is what the main character went through so uh for that like uh, when i was when i was done watching i was i was like uh Man, this is like Hangover without the comedy. Um, but really, it's <laughs> it's way more. And I, I was thinking about that in my sleep and today. And yeah, fantastic. Kyle. Or Brent. How about you? <laughs> With a B. With a B. Uh, yeah, I, 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 think it does a, I think it does a really good job of... Uh, I, so I, I think what I appreciate most about it is his arc as a character. And I, I think that uh, if I kind of want to go back and watch, because I noticed quite a few of the uh, the seven deadly sins in it, like specifically gluttony, lust, and greed. Because um, obviously greed, because he, he loses all of his money the first night. Um, gluttony, they... When they when they go to a Tim's house, they drink eighty beers at the least, um, and so I, I I kind of think that it's he he turns into an antihero, and then he realizes once he's gone too far, the only way to end it is by killing himself, uh, but he doesn't, and he's able to walk away unscathed, kind of, and go back to his his life as just being a teacher. Um, so I, I, I more appreciate the journey that he goes through, but I do understand that, uh, the, the message that it's trying to say basically about, uh, addiction in any sense that it exists. Yeah. Yeah. I, this movie is just, I don't know, like you could pull at a bunch of different threads if you wanted to. Um, but the things that kind of stood out to me were like uh be like be very like um specific about the company that you keep around you mm-hmm. um how you can fall into mediocrity just by like proximity of the people around you um and also i to your point like with his his story arc 
I like how it starts off with the gambling and you kind of see his reaction to it and he gets that little kick of dopamine, almost like that first sip of alcohol and he wants to keep going with the money. It also kind of like explores like that the, uh, like, he, like, like he thought he could uh, get out with just gambling and the easy way is not always the best way. And they, they, they tackle like a lot of different like life lessons in this film. Um, and I just appreciate it for that. Um, in that I, one of the things that I, I wanted to bring up and kind of going off what you just said, Kyle, uh, when he finally makes it out of town, he goes to that one bar where the semi-truck driver's at. And he's like, are you going to town? Thinking, obviously, Sydney. And he's like, yeah. And he just ends up back in, in the Yabba. And yeah, that's such like I, a Twilight Zone move, too. Like, I <laughs> felt like that was such like a, oh, man, he's back. Oh. Um, but I, I think that just kind of goes for the whole idea that they were trying to go with a, a, of addiction, where even when you think you've conquered it, it could easily just come right back. Yeah. yeah. Um. What did you think about Donald Pleasant's character? Like, do you think that, um, so like, I, I read a few things that was saying that he went back to kill him at the end of the movie. Um, I didn't get that impression from watching it. Um, oh, yeah, because he, he points the gun at the door. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, why do you think he intended to kill him? I think he's the source. I think. He- he's the he's the the driver of this this whole community he's the doctor he doesn't ask for much he just asks for uh the reputation and the uh, hospitality um but real quick question uh they fucked right no no him and the doctor i think they did yeah I think so like with Donald Pleasance, he almost represented to me like the worst of the worst. Uh he he kind of to your point, Ian, he didn't ask for much except for like everybody's just willingness to go along. <laughs> and um like with the good or the bad. Like he kind of just shepherded everybody into like negative intentions. And I think that they did fuck because I think that <laughs> I'm being serious. Did, I think, yeah. fuck, yeah, because, like, he was very into sexual uh, discovery. Like, he talked about it a little bit with the girl um, mm-hmm. and how if he was to marry somebody one day, it would be her because she's really into experimentation and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like with the way they set it up with him pinning him down, I feel like he raped him. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. John was, like, putting his pants back on in the morning and the fucking uh, Donald Pleasance was like in a in a gown. Yeah, he was yeah. he was he was wearing the the yeah. shirt that uh, Danny DeVito wears in the in the Who Pooped the Bed episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, no, they they definitely fucked. Uh, and I mean, if you think about it, Donald Pleasance is the one that got him to gamble because uh, he's first of all. Uh, he sits down and eat that one dollar steak, and it looks absolutely amazing. Why is it? Why does everything cost a buck in this town? By the yeah. way, like it doesn't matter if it's a drink, a steak, a night stay in a hotel. Like everything's just a dollar, flat dollar. Um, so uh, Donald Pleasance is sitting there running the statistics on the game for that night, and he tells John that it's a two to one in heads favor. 
So John goes in, plays heads twice, and then he plays tails once, and he wins all that money. So he only did that. He only did that based on uh, Donald Pleasance's uh, revealing of how the statistics were going for the night. And then his fourth time playing, which is when he's the spinner, um, and he can the spinner can only bet on tails. So Donald, he he, he was gonna go in and bet on heads because of the statistics that Donald Pleasance gave him. And then fate kind of intervenes when he's told he's not allowed to do that. And then he loses every single cent except the dollar for his keys. Yeah. Pushing yourself too far until it's too late. Um, so what do you guys think about Yaba in general? Like the setting, the place, what, what do you think it signifies? If anything, also Australia, cool setting, man. <coughs> setting <laughs> Brandon, talk to what, me <laughs> what does what does australia signify um alcoholism uh <laughs> no, I, to those Aussies. I i think it's a i think it's a uh a, a great setting uh it's almost kind of like uh i don't know if it's supposed to represent like sodom and gomorrah a little bit because we don't really see anything sexual um but it, yeah, I don't know. Like, this seems like a really fun place to be. <laughs> yes, <laughs> although it felt better than Vegas. The in my opinion, the um, the the bar that they're in, like post COVID, that is that that gives me so much anxiety because it's just a bunch of sweaty. It, it's packed elbow to elbow, sweaty, fat Australian men, just like smoking cigarettes out the ass. Like that place is a COVID nightmare. <laughs> It reminded me of a beer garden in like Germany, like how they would, I don't know, how they would do. Great. Okay. Oh, what, uh, when you say beer garden, is that like. Yeah, uh, it's like, it's kind of like a social gathering them? where they have like one bar in the center and then just like a bunch of tables and people, like a bunch of people gathering around for a, for a social event kind of thing. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, a cooler bar i don't know or like or like a club a german club sounds awful for chill people i mean overall i really enjoyed the film <laughs> do you guys have anything else you want to touch on though the kangaroos anything else you guys want to talk about there's a lot of shit we could pull from here I'm the kangaroos didn't know like like the kangaroo scene is pretty brutal bum me the fuck out i hate seeing animals yeah. like the fact that they use actual live animals mm-hmm. is pretty nuts um, I I didn't even know that you could hunt kangaroos until this film. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought they were like protected. I'm I'm glad there was a disclaimer at the end. What what was what was the disclaimer? No animals was, were harmed. It was like the no, it was the producer's notes oh. or something like that where it said these were this is actual footage of um kangaroos getting like killed. Licensed hunters, yeah. professional licensed hunters hunting. This wasn't filmed during the making of the movie or whatever. Hmm. Interesting. Cause I, I know a, a few of the actors involved have lamented about its addition in the movie. I mean it's pretty brutal. Yeah. It's, it's sad. I don't like it. Cool. Well otherwise we'll Ian's the- like, <laughs> yeah, kill the fucking ruse. <laughs> All right. I mean, how else are you going to get the meat, Brennan? You want to try the kangaroo meat. I'd actually do, yeah. Some 
kangaroos have to be sacrificed. But not Jack. Not kangaroo Jack. So, like, do, do Australians eat a lot of kangaroos? I don't know. Like I said, I thought they were protected. I didn't even know it was a thing until this movie. And they're just fucking capping all of them in the fucking yeah. the outback. I was not expecting that. But, all right, let's get into final thoughts and ratings. Ian, we'll go ahead and start with you. It's weird because this we don't we don't usually cover like critically acclaimed films. Good films, <laughs> yeah, like actual good films. I could tell I could tell when we're covering good films because Ian has nothing to say about them. Yeah, like what can you say? <laughs> it's like, hey, oh, good. Everyone knows it. I was trying to give you shit to bite, but you, you weren't taking any of it. So it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. What what yeah. else more can you say? Like that's fair. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean. I was honestly debating between a nine and a ten last night. Uh, it, it's hard. It's hard to. It's hard for me to conversate with people that haven't experienced the same thing. So it's hard to like carry a conversation that way because a lot of the like the conversations about addiction and shit like that and the themes that the movie explores can. Yeah be talked about at nauseum they can go on for quite a while and you can get pretty fucking deep but unless you've yeah. experienced it or like kind of like have a, a, a mid knowledge on it it's unless you're cool unless you're just a <laughs> fucking crazy person you know but um yeah i mean the movie like you said it's a well-made movie i'm gl- i'm glad you enjoyed it uh what's your final rating final rating do it do it you know you want to it's at least a nine or at least a four and a half at least and a heart obviously but do i bump it up to a five out of five for those tan lines i think i think not four and a half with a heart fantastic film we got to put a little bit of road underneath ian's Ian's car. We got to get him a little further. These kind of movies are going to hit with you like ten years from now. I guarantee yeah. it. Uh, Brendan, I need to go through a catastrophic addiction, so. dude. It'll hey, dude. We'll get you. This movie, this movie was pretty much uh, my years twenty-seven to thirty. So trust me, it's never too late. There. It's never too late. Uh, Brendan, talk to me. Final thoughts and rating. I, I think, like I, I think I said earlier, this is probably in my top twenty-five. Of all time, it's just it's spectacular. Uh, if there is a physical copy of it, I don't know if there is. I want to get one. I don't think I said I watched it on Shutter. I don't think I said. I feel that. like there has to be a criterion of this. There's not. I don't think not, there is. Not even I like want a 4K of this. Ah, it would look good in 4K. This feels like like a vinegar syndrome. Like they'd have their hands all over it. Mm. Um, really? Mm. Oh, I yeah. would say. I would it's say, not trashy enough. No, this seems like a Kino Lorber movie for sure. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, hundred percent actually. Um, but. you know, it, it's fantastic. I think I watch it probably once a year. Um, whenever I think about it, I usually will put it on. Um, uh, it it's great, and I I like seeing Donald Pleasance not as uh Doctor Boomis or no Loomis Jesus <laughs> Doctor Boomis. Uh, five out of five heart. Yeah, this film is going to be a yearly Christmas film for me, for sure. This, this is, is a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. This yeah, is a Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah, this is totally a Christmas movie. Um, every December, this will be in rotation, for sure. Um, 
it's a great film. We didn't talk much about the soundtrack, which I think the main theme is awesome. Um, and they they kind of bring it in. They like insert it throughout the film, and it changes tempo slightly depending on like what's happening in the film. At the very end, it's like very slow and like, but it's the same notes. Love it. Um, and it's thought, great. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. It, and, it's and it's great because it just feels, like I said earlier, it feels so like alien. Like you, it feels new. Like just as the as the main character is like grabbing onto this new concept of gambling and and getting into this new thing of addiction, while it's still it's still like rooted in like an Australian kind of twang. Um, so he's still he's still feeling at home, which is like what the yaba is um they're very homely uh hospitality hospitable hospitable people um fantastic score and like it's sorry go ahead well i was gonna say going off actually almost exactly what ian was saying the the score like when there are those few scenes where he goes through the psychosis where you know especially with like the gambling uh you get the 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 style of the soundtrack we've been getting but then they add like uh like a few wrong notes to it here or there strings some like like high strings and screeches yeah. and stuff to make yeah, it crazy it's, it's yeah. so cool yeah i mean this is a to to ian's point take away the addiction and like it's just it's a cool like journey of like human just like a human journey right of new experiences of kind of like a fish out of water scenario almost Mm -hmm. and like how he goes in thinking he's like almost better than everybody else because he's looking at these people like they're stupid and then they're Mm -hmm. so welcoming and then he fits in and realizes that like he he almost wants to embrace what this lifestyle is like because it's easier and it's an escape from his mundane repetitive kind of thing that he's he's been doing um yeah this film's great and it's shot beautifully um i'm gonna give this film a 4.5 with a heart it's gonna be a 4.6 with a heart one of the highest rated films and the least amount of commentary we've had on a film i love it there's been less has it been less and i don't think we we did a big intro no we didn't do a big intro um no joking aside yeah i'm i'm glad brennan that you brought this movie into my uh into my um brain i couldn't think of a better word but uh yeah christmas movie every year love it i'm gonna buy it and i'm glad that we are watching australian films because this is a a banger that everyone should watch so let's go ahead and take our official ruminations of Red Rum. Thicky, milky piss break. We'll be right back after you hear an ad from the Ruminations Radio Network. Anybody got to go? You've been listening to another fine, fine podcast on the Rumination Radio Network. This is Game Agent E.T. from Oh God, It Hurts! And we hope you keep on listening to our fine, fine podcast here on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Welcome back to Ruminations of Red Rum, the horror podcast of the Ruminations Radio Network. It is time for not only America's favorite game, but the world's What's in the Box? 
Folks, strap in as I butcher the description of this game. Letterboxed is a... <laughs> I can't do you... <laughs> you gotta stop. Letterboxd is a movie database where you can download an app, go to the website, log the movies you've seen, rate the movies you've seen, follow people, like-minded cinephiles that, that watch films and rate them themselves. And we take four films, we read the description of those films, and my co-hosts have to guess the average rating of those films per the letterboxed rating. If they get that correct, they get a point. They then have to guess the decade in which the film was made. If they get that correct, they get a point. They move on to the third and final question where if they get the year the film was made, they get a third point, totaling three points. Gentlemen, are you ready? I literally looked like Elmo. <laughs> like how red I was. And I keep much, saying much. that I'm going to write it up every time, and I never do. Well, there's already one written. It's our, it's pinned in the discussion. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the pin <laughs> next time. I promise. And turn video off. <laughs> I gotta turn. I gotta I not look at the camera. Again. I gotta not look at the camera. <laughs> Gentlemen, are you ready? Mm -hmm. uh, see. Uh, I wonder if there's gonna be another quotable line in Mexico Barbaro too. Definitely not. See whatever. Oh. Oh, when we do that, when we do that episode, I will be hungover. Cool. I will try my hardest to be hungover when we do that episode. Bring it back. Things in New York are about to go down the toilet. A group of hobos begin melting into multicolored piles of goo after drinking 60-year-old liquor. At the same time, the psychotic Vietnam War vet who rules the hobo camp snaps and begins killing at random. Two brothers set out to stop the liquor and the killer. The hobo camp, huh? Guess the rating. 2.7. Oh, I said 2.2. I don't know if you heard me. Ian, with the first point, it is sitting at 2... No, I'm sorry. It is sitting at 3.0. Guess the decade. 80s. 80s. Yeah. You guys are both correct. It is an 80s film. Guess the year. Give me... 83. 82. <laughs> it is the 1987 film. So you are both awarded a non-third point. Directed by J. Michael Murrow. It is Street Trash. Oh, I've heard of that. I've heard of that as well. Enter a kaleidoscope of psychedelic horror. I feel like I'm there. Jane lives in London with Richard, her boyfriend. When she was five, her mother was murdered. She recently lost a baby in a car crash, and now she's plagued by nightmares of a knife-wielding blue-eyed man. Desperate to ease her pain, Jane decides to follow her neighbor's advice to attend a black mass, only to... Only to fan oh, only to fan her already horrible visions, making her reality a living hell. Is there an escape from the clutches of the darkest evil? Two point eight, two point five, two point six, three point two. And Brennan, yours was what? 
2.7. Ian with the point. It is sitting at 3.5. Guess the decade. Give me 70s. I'm going to stick with 80s. Ian with another point on the board. It is a 70s film. Guess the year. Give me 78, Kyle. Brennan, I'll let you guess this one. What? 75. That is incorrect on both fronts. It is the 1972 film directed by Sergio Martino, All the Colors of the Dark. Oh, I thought this was a totally different film. I mean, you guessed everything else right, so you're on the sum. Want to come to a party? A pierced and tattooed sadist. A pierced and tattooed sadist, Captain Howdy, trolls the internet for naive teens, luring them to his home to torture and defile them. When Howdy kidnaps and tortures the daughter of police detective Mike Gage, he is caught. Deemed insane, he is sent to an asylum, but is released soon after, seemingly better. However, Gage knows it is only a matter of time before Howdy strikes again, and he's ready to unleash his own form of retribution when the time comes. 2.7. Give me 3.0. Brendan with the point on the board. It is sitting at a 2.5. Guess, gonna guess the that. decade. The 2000s. I'm going to go 80s. You guys are both incorrect. <laughs> he said it the is, internet. <laughs> it is the 90s, just for shits and giggles. Okay. Brendan, guess the year. What? Ninety 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 six. Ninety-seven. It is the nineteen ninety-eight film directed by John Peeplo Strangeland. Oh, oh that's with uh D Snyder, right? I'm pretty sure D Snyder's in that. I I I don't know. D Snyder. The singer of Twisted Sister. It is in four, Brennan two, last and final movie. Are you ready? It's tight. Well, no one's going to be tight. There's no tagline. There's no tagline. With a torrid past that haunts him, a movie theater owner is hired to search for the only existing print of a film so notorious that its single screening caused the viewers to become homicidally insane. 3.2. 3.2. I know what this is. I don't know what the score is, though. Homicidally insane. Homicidal. Homicidally? Homicidally? T or D? T. Homicidally. Um, with that, give me, give me 3.1. Brendan with a point on the board. It is sitting at a 3.5. Guess the decade. The aughts? Oh no, I think it might be 90s. I'm going to stick with the aughts, but I think I'm very incorrect. Give me 90s. 
Brendan with another point. You fucker, you fell for it. You four. I idiot. knew that's what you were doing, <laughs> Brendan. Four, four. And 2004. Just to, and just to break the tie, I'll let you guys both guess. Okay. Guess 2004. <laughs> you are both incorrect. It is the oh. two. <laughs> 2005. It, is, it is the 2005 film directed by John Carpenter, no. Cigarette Burn. Norman Reed, Norman Reedus is in it, and Udo Kier. I was getting like Wishmaster vibes mm-hmm. from that one. He fell for my trap, though. No, I didn't. <laughs> Do I look like Kaiba to you, falling I, into your trap card? No. I don't know what Get that is. It was a Yu-Gi-Oh reference. All right. Ah. Carry on. And to break the tie, boom in his numbers, Kurt Kunkel, a rideshare driver, thirsty for followers, has figured out a deadly plan to go viral. As his disturbing live stream is absurdly embraced by the social media hellscape, a comedian emerges as the only hope to stop this rampage. 3.0. That's a good guess. I feel like people like this one. 3.1. 3.2. I think you're right on the dot. Ian with two points. It is sitting at 3.1. Guess the decade. Too afraid to go first. Look at those no. dead eyes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 2020s. 2020s. You both are correct. That puts... Ian at seven, Brendan at five. Guess the year. 2022. I'll say 2021. You both are incorrect. It is at 2020, directed oh. by Eugene Kotlyarenko. It is the 2020 film Spree. So that puts Ian in the lead. That gives him a, another point on the board. That puts year-to-date Mitch, 16, Brendan, 12, Ian, 10, and Kyle, 10. This has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum, the skinned kangaroo of the Ruminations Radio Network. If you like what we're doing here, head over to Twitter. You can follow us if you want, at of Red Rum. That's O-F Red Rum. Check out our Twitter homepage, profile page. We have the link to join our Discord in our bio. Please head over to our Discord, hang out with us, talk horror movies with us, talk horror games, books, comics, manga, all that good stuff. We'd love to have you. Joining me is Brendan Jesus Ortega Madison. Uh, don't forget, we used to be giant humanoids fighting kaiju-style, kaiju-sized lizards. and. Hail, hail, wizards, I guess. And also, the spooky boy, Ian, with two E's. Who do you think would win in a fight? Kangaroo Jack from the movie Kangaroo Jack or just regular uh, Mr. Olympian um, Lou Ferrigno? I mean, Lou wins every time, if we're being honest. Against against a full-grown kangaroo. Did Kangaroo Jack 
Did he talk? Are we talking Hulk? You, you said Hulk Lou. Is it Hulk Lou versus a kangaroo? Because that's. So, so you're, you're saying is it just Lou, right? Okay. So so we're saying is it? So we're saying it's bitch Lou Ferrigno versus a. Whoa, whoa. What? He's not going to hear it. I think. I think Mike would love Yaba. He would. Mike, I'm not going to forget about you because Ian did. Okay. I'm I hope you're I hope you're doing okay out there in Yaba. And write us, send us a postcard. We love you. Stay spooky, folks.